taking a picture of beers and action figures. What could go wrong? <laughs> Nothing could go. The reality is nobody gives a shit about beer posts. That's one thing I've learned <laughs> through this is the reality is as much as I enjoy a good beer, the most of our audience doesn't give a flying fuck about beer. <laughs> and that's cool. I'm with them. I guess they probably have better things to worry about. Okay. You ready? Let's do this. It's the beauty of editing. So no matter how horrible I sound, you'll still be able to make things right. There's limits. (laughs) Fair enough. I'll give you that. Old men rolling dice. Everyone is welcome at our table. Nostalgia is what we do. Today, Unearthed Inspiration. Maybe some of you people don't know about Appendix N, but that's what this is all about. It's about exploring the origins of where D&D was born. And that is uh, Gary Gygax's Appendix N, originally located in the back of the original Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Dungeon Master's Guide. So what Appendix N was, is a list of books that inspired the game that we're at today. I think when you're introducing a new game in Dungeons and Dragons... You know, in the seventies, brand new. Yeah, there's nothing like it. It's it's a it's a paradigm shift for the gaming community, and the appendix were a good place to sort of, am I doing Dungeons and Dragons right? The original appendix end was just books. I mean, that was the media that and the information that Gary had back in the time. So much has happened in the last forty years that we love. Uh, the concept that Appendix N could literally encompass so many different types of media now. Not just books, but also things like movies, television shows, video games, streams and podcasts, and the massive array of products available from third-party tabletop role-playing game producers. Appendix N can be so much more. And so we just want to talk to different game masters and have them share one specific thing that they would like to share with the gaming community that inspires their game. So Krull, like 1983. Yes. Described as science fantasy swashbuckler. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think with the word swashbuckler? Like, I'm just saying you don't get a lot in that genre. It's like rapiers, rapiers and uh, ruffled collars. <laughs> no, never be afraid to look good. <laughs> the movie itself, actually a box office flop. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, like, I found the movie not through the box office. I, as a kid, it was a movie rental on VHS. Mom and dad rented the VCR and we had a weekend of movie watching and uh, it was one of the movies. Absolutely. And a lot of people, I guess, when you try to explain that to them, like nobody owned a VCR back then. Nobody was that wealthy. You simply rented it for a weekend. It came with 10 movies. And because you had rented it that weekend, you went home, you pulled the blinds, you locked the doors, and you watched movies continuously for about a 48-hour period. Like, if you didn't like if you didn't like action movies, then you were out of luck if an action movie came on because, you know, mom and dad were just plugging the next VHS tape in. Peter Yates directs this movie. Yes. And he's actually had some success very early in his career with the movie Bullet, a really iconic movie with... Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. And I actually, in a film class in university had to watch bullet like it was assigned watching for the car chase if you haven't seen the movie there's a big car chase it's pretty fantastic and i and i love Stephen mcqueen the great escape was 
you know, we had the Great Escape was a double VC, VHS tape. Like it, it was too big for one. And my brother and I watched that hundreds of times. How did the movie Crawl inspire your tabletop role playing games? So I, I haven't been playing D&D very long when I watch it, but it sort of encompasses everything that I've come to expect from a D&D game. It's got, you know, Cyclops, it's got flying horses, it has a magical weapon, it has giant spiders, it has oracles, wizards, uh, the party, the party makeup, like you have the prince who's leading and the prince meets a like a druid that literally can wild shape into he turns all kinds of stuff, tigers and chickens and crazy stuff. They meet a wizard, uh, a group of brigands and rogues join the adventuring party, a cyclops joins the, like it just goes on and on. And it's like, this is Dungeons and Dragons. This is totally Dungeons and Dragons with one particular element added and that's science fiction because the big bad guy is called the beast and he comes to the planet via his spaceship, which looks very much like a castle. <laughs> uh, and then his, his soldiers, his troops, they have these sort of swords that can be used like a gun. Like you flip them around and it shoots a, like a laser out of the handle. I think it was like a one shot. Like they got one laser shot and then they turned it over and started fighting with the swords and they were very stormtrooper esque. Like, yeah, it was a total star Wars ripoff, which was good for me because I love star Wars and I had already seen star Wars, uh, and empire strikes back by this time. Actually. Yeah. This would have been the same year that return of the Jedi was released. Yeah. So there you go. Like we're star Wars geeks and this sort of hits that, that, that point. But I mean, I'm not saying the acting in it is great, but it's acceptable. <laughs> but it has the reason I liked it was all of the sort of what I would come to know as D&D elements. But I liked how they blended science fiction. And that's something with the exception of maybe He-Man that I hadn't really seen in my childhood. Okay, we've probably already touched on this a little bit. But um, how did you learn about the movie? Yeah, the movie I, we have kind of touched on. I knew nothing about the movie. It was literally... It's actually my favorite way to watch movies even now. Like, don't tell me a whole lot about it. Just pop it in and let me see what it is. And if it grabs me, then it grabs me. It is going off the cover art. Yeah. And to be honest, the cover, the beast kind of, you know, as a young 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old boy, it's kind of scary looking. <laughs> but I was like, no, I, I, I got I to gotta check this out. Because there's, I could, on the back, you can see, you know, guys with swords and stuff and and by this time I'm playing D and D and loving it. And I, all, I like old movies like Jason and the Argonauts and things like that. That was huge fan. Yeah. The, uh, this, uh, the animation by Ray Harryhausen and those old yeah. movies was, it was, he did clash of the Titans too. That was a yeah. big one for well, me. Clash of the Titans is another, like that's a movie that was like right in my wheelhouse as well. So crawl, crawl had my attention. Yeah. And, and we just rented it. Hi, my name is Ruin Ortega, one of the hosts of Cantrips and Coffee. We love tabletop games. We love them so much that we can't stop talking about them or playing them. The trouble is that there's so many to choose from. Now, we could stop and just play the big one, you know, the one that everybody plays, but life is meant for more than just one game for the rest of our lives, isn't it? That's why we're determined to play the best ones. We want to know which are worth our money and which we should probably just skip. Am I close enough to any of the other survivors to reach someone's, like, leg? Yes. Can I crush that person's leg? Yes! Okay, let's... Carl is suddenly looking for a new mentor to be psyched. <laughs> this isn't surprising. 
when you first did it, I was like, yeah, we got this. Like, we've just been too timid. We have been too scared to touch anything. Like, he's gonna go through, it's gonna be good. Oh, he's dead. Join us for brand new episodes weekly on Cantrips and Coffee. You've discovered Crawl. You've started game playing. You're starting to pull inspiration. You're building your world. How did you implement elements of Crawl into your game? So on the most basic and cheesy level, my the first homebrew world that I really put work into is called Crawlian. Crawlian is sort of like the, the genesis of me sort of making my own homebrew world and adding science fiction, very small science fiction elements to it. Uh, there is a, a great spider scene in the movie where a Oracle is suspended within a massive web in this cocoon ball of webbing and over a massive, uh, I can only assume bottomless pit and you have to climb out on the webs to ask the Oracle the question. But then when you try to climb back, the giant spider always gets you. I have directly used that. I have used uh, an Oracle out in the center of the web. I've also just done a spider sort of uh, town overrun by spiders and there's an edder cap layering out in the center of the web that keeps sending the spiders out and you got to go and defeat the edder cap and you got to climb out on this web battle spiders. And yeah, I've used the fire, the flying horses. They're not like Pegasi. They have like, they run so fast that fire comes off their hooves and, and then they take flight. I've used that. I've used the big bad evil guy, the beast. I, I don't think I've called him the beast. I've called him other names, but he has this fortress. It's a, it's a spaceship, but it's currently landed on the planet. Like a, it looks like a big castle, big, piece of jutting rock and every morning at dawn it moves it, like it teleports to somewhere else in the world i've totally used that where the bad guy's fortress is moving and in the movie that's why they go to find the oracle they need to find out where that castle's going to appear so they can be there and then they use the horses so they can get there in time totally i've i've totally ripped this yeah totally this, totally ripped this this is a beautiful games. railroad right yeah, like exactly. it's all laid out perfectly yeah yeah and and you know what when you're young and starting the game, railroads are perfect. They are. No, a lot, so much inspiration, right? Comes, comes from that direct epic storyline. So you're a young man. You've just created your own world. Yeah. You've sat down and you've shared it with your friends. How was it received? So the fantasy elements were received great. Uh, that was no problem. But when I started to hint like, hey, the big bad evil guy's castle is actually like maybe a spaceship. Or I, I even had... Uh, the um the storm the sort of stormtrooper bad guys with the laser guns yeah then people are like hold on a second we're playing dungeons and dragons like they're looking for that medieval sort of fantasy and when you add science fiction to it a little bit you maybe lose that so i have a i have a city in crowlian currently that's sort of like a toronto or new york transported into a fantasy world and the people are all gone now and the city's in ruins and there's sort of a medieval culture built around its the base sort of, of the towers. Crumbling skyscrapers sort of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Glass and metal and all the rest of it. And some people dig that. And other people just, uh, you, you know, when you introduce that for the first time at a table, I can see who's not down with it. Because <laughs> there's immediately these eyes are rolling and things like that. No, that's true. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting to look at it that way too. Because the reality is... The, the original Appendix N and a lot of the Gygax's original inspiration was actually science fiction based. It's not like this is a brand new element. I mean, he only had so many sources to draw him from and he, you know, picked the best of what he could. And genre was almost maybe second to sort of mechanics or story. Yeah, I think you're right. 
we're much older now. This this world, this genesis of this world, the, uh, the Krillian world, this took place years ago. You're still building on it. It's still evolving. It's still growing. Would you look back on it and consider it a success? I think it was a success for me just simply because I'm still using it. it it's not... Krullian is not the same world that I played in high school. Uh, the characters that played in those previous campaigns sort of became my legends and uh, became sort of, you know, there there are things that my world uh, carries forward that has to do with them. So uh, my wife played a Dwarven cleric uh, in maybe the second version of if we're if we're on versions of Krullian right now I'm on version three of my world Krullian so there was version one which was really clunky and uh, a teenage boy's fantasy and then a version two which I had a really extended long campaign with my wife and some close friends and my wife's character was a dwarf cleric named Sambrel to this day there's a the dwarves congregate on a holy mountain called Mount Sambrel so there's like little nods like that back to previous campaigns when I present it to people I'm generally really pleased with how it goes across i think it was a success from that standpoint in that i'm still playing it i think if the ideas of krolian that i had weren't good then i you know it would have died like any other homebrew and i would have just moved on to a new one i think that's a great thing about really great inspiration is that it doesn't have to be static it sort of grows with you Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be pinpoint specific i think at a certain point in time it just becomes like a wash or a flavor and uh I think I love when somebody brings something like that to the table. And like I said, it's nice when you bring something obscure. Like there's a good chance that a number of people who are listening to this don't know what Krull is. Exactly. Because Krull bombed at the box office because it's it's from the 80s. I can bring it to a table now. I can steal directly from it. Like if I want Ergo the Magnificent, which is the druid I talked about, he gives this amazing speech in the movie. He goes like, I'm Ergo the Magnificent. I am uh, tall and uh what was it? Short in stature, tall in power, uh, wide of vision, but narrow of focus. Uh, something I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like it's something like that. And I can drop that on a table, and they it, it cracks people up. But it's like it's lifted, but they don't know it's lifted. And because you're not publishing this material, because you're just playing around the table, there's nothing wrong with ripping ripping stuff off. Like I tell new DMs all the time when they're like, "Any advice?" I go rip rip something off. Absolutely. And we talked, I know that we've touched on this before. It's nice when you can rip off something that people, this uh, so obscure that people actually believe it's your own homebrew content. Whereas if you try yeah. and rip off something, we talked like uh, Star Wars or Indiana Jones, you're not, the, the it Indi- doesn't come across as clever. <laughs> the Indiana Boulder, Indiana Jones Boulder Trap is my, I love it and I've used it, but oh, everybody knows where it came from. Oh, the sand. The the pressure trap with the idol at the start. Well, does that not start the boulder effect? I think it does. Maybe. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a whole chain effect. I mean, the room where the darts shoot at oh Indy. Oh, God. Uh, even if you go like, is it the third one where his dad is in it? Mm-hmm. And the Last Crusade. Yeah, so the whole trip from the front of the tomb... With like the pen, only the penitent man shall pass, like the blades swinging out oh. the walls. This is all great D and D. Like rip off the Indiana Jones builder trap. If it's great and iconic, <laughs> it's great and iconic for a reason. I agree. Well, I think this wraps up our first session of Unearned Inspiration. I'm Jiminy Jason. I'm <laughs> Tim Jeremy, and uh, I just want to say thank you for listening to us here at Old Men Rolling Dice. Mm-hmm.